I ask you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 12. We'll be considering verses 12 through 15. The title of my message is To Boast Only in Christ. The context of this passage is about those in Galatia who claimed to be Christians but they boasted in their works and not in the cross of Christ. And so first of all this evening we want to take a look at the fear of persecution. That was the motive, that was the rationale behind their uh, posing as Christians when indeed they were not. He says in verse 12, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they might not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Obviously no one wants to suffer persecution. In fact, uh, we look for ways not to suffer. In verse 12, Paul said that there were Jewish converts within the church there in Galatia who were boasting or, or glorying in their circumcision as though it were a badge of spirituality, as though it was something to be attained. And yet it had already been decided by the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15 that circumcision was not a necessary part uh, of the Christian life as though uh, it was something special. It was not part of the practice of the New Covenant Church. They determined that, that that was not a, a prerequisite for salvation. <clears throat> it was, in fact, the mark of the Old Covenant, but was replaced with the coming of Christ. So it was not necessary for those who had come to Jesus by faith. Uh, they were those who were uh, one way with one group and another way with another group. That was the struggle that was going on in the Church of Galatia that they were respecters of persons, that they believed one way when they were with the Jews, they believed a different way when they were with the Gentiles. In chapter 2 of Galatians, verses 11 through 14, listen to what Paul says. He said, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For certain men came from James... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, for before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, that is those ones who came with James, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the harlot with him. So that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. He was swept up in this. And that's really what was happening. The Jews were encouraging uh, the brethren within the church of Galatia to be circumcised. And he says, uh, even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, <coughs> excuse me, I said to Peter, before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? So on the one hand, they wanted to please their Jewish brethren who were critical of Christianity. They were especially uh, noticeable of their favor. They worked real hard to curry the favor of the Jews who were suspicious of Christianity and hostile toward Christianity. This was a case in which they had made a profession of faith, but it became difficult for them among their Jewish friends and brethren and family members. They suffered persecution from them, constant taunting, constant persecution. And to avoid that, they decided if they would tell the Gentile believers in the church of Galatia, if they would instruct them to be circumcised, they could then say to their Jewish friends and brethren, see, I haven't abandoned the law. I'm instructing these Gentiles to be circumcised, 
to maintain the outward sign of the covenant. So on the one hand, they wanted to please their Jewish brethren who were critical of Christianity, but on the other hand, they wanted to identify with Christ, or at least that's the impression they wanted to give. They were double-minded. James said that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that a man cannot serve two masters. He cannot be torn between the two. He's got to make a choice. He has to stand with one or the other. And that was the problem with double-mindedness or hypocrisy. Uh, Their desire to make a good showing in the flesh, as it says in verse 12, kept them in bondage to man. That's the struggle. That as long as we are religious people but not born again, we are in bondage to man. We're in bondage to please them, to support them, to give them the impression that we're with them. Their fear of persecution kept them from trusting Christ. And that's why in verse chapter 1, of uh, verse 10 of chapter 1, Paul made this declarative statement. He said, if I still pleased men, I would not be the bondservant of Christ. This is what they were doing here that we find in uh, the book of Galatians. Uh, that they are talking about, uh, Paul is talking to them about their fear of the persecution from uh, other Jewish believers. So, in their fear, they were compelling Gentile converts to be circumcised as well. Not because it had a spiritual value. It didn't have a spiritual value, and he'll allude to that here in the next verse. But it's not because it had a spiritual value, but it was to show the Judaizers that they had not abandoned the law, but were still zealous of it. And so as we begin to look at this chapter, as we consider the things that Paul is writing here, uh, these individuals had fear that was rooted in weakness and in uh, doubt. And their weakness in their uh, doubts uh, that they had and their uh, desire to convert others or to convince others to be circumcised, it weakened their faith. And whenever we walk in fear... Uh, It weakens our faith, it weakens our testimony, it weakens our ability to share the gospel, it weakens us in the things of God. We can all be very bold in the things of man. We can be very bold politically, but fearful spiritually. We can be very bold in the training of our children, but timid in spiritual realm. We can be very bold in our knowledge of the things of this world. And walk authoritatively in the world. But when it comes to the things of God, suddenly we're very timid. And we don't want to confront someone. We don't want to talk to someone. We don't want to share the gospel. And Bob, uh, Paul reminded us in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So here, Paul reminds these individuals that were attempting to instruct the Gentiles to be circumcised, not because it had any power to it, or even because anyone in the New Testament required it. It was one of those things in which they did it because they thought it was spiritual, with uh, no intention to insult our Presbyterian brethren. It was very much like the Presbyterians, who they, they would say that it's very spiritual to baptize infants. However, they cannot find one example in the New Testament of an infant being baptized, nor can they find one instruction in the New Testament to baptize infants. There is neither one. Uh, They defend their position from the Old Testament. And so these Judaizers, they were defending the practice of circumcision based upon the teachings of the Old Testament. 
But Paul had reminded us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if we're in Christ, we're a new creations. This is a new covenant that he gave unto us. The celebration of the Lord's Supper is the continual reminder of a new covenant that God has given us. And even as we talked about a while back, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says that with the change in the priesthood also came a change in the law. And circumcision is tied to the old covenant uh, law of Moses and ultimately the Levitical priesthood. And so when Christ came, circumcision, which was the mark of the covenant, Christ came and gave us a new mark of the covenant, which was faith. That those in the Old Testament, you had to be circumcised in order to be in the new covenant community. In the New Testament, you have to have faith to be in the new covenant community. You can have all the outward trappings that you want. You can have all the outward signs that you want. You can put bumper stickers on your car that Jesus saves. You can have signs in your yard that Jesus saves. You can um, tell everyone that you know that you're a Christian. But if there is no genuine faith, if there is no trusting and hanging your life on Christ, then these are just outward trappings and nothing having to do with the heart. Even circumcision. In the book of Deuteronomy, God talked about the fact that the ultimate purpose of circumcision was that the heart would be circumcised. And so Paul repeats that in Romans chapter 2. That a Jew is a Jew who is not one circumcised outwardly. But a Jew is a Jew who has been circumcised inwardly. The circumcision of the heart and not of the flesh. So first of all, we see in this passage, and I, uh, what we're really going to look at is verse 15. Uh, talking about the boasting. But verse 12 was necessary to bring us up to speed as to what we're looking at here. So the second portion tonight in uh, Galatians is the fallacy of law keeping. <clears throat> and I, I did not have my Bible open to that portion yet, so let me get to it here. In verse 14 of chapter 6, he says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm sorry, I should have read verse 13 first. <laughs> verse 13. For even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Um, so, for not even, I'm sorry. I'm making one mistake after another. Verse 13. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Their motivation for compelling the Gentiles to be circumcised was not their deep affection for the Gentiles. It was not even their deep affection for the law. It was their desire for the Jewish brethren and family members and friends to stop persecuting them. That's what it was all about. So they were manipulating the Gentiles simply so that their persecution would stop. Because he says here in verse 13, those who are pressing you to be circumcised, they don't even keep the law. And so if they're telling you how, uh, how you should do this, please remember that the people who are urging you to be circumcised, they're not keeping the law. He says, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. That they may be able to say, you see how many people have been circumcised? You see, I'm doing my job in the church. I'm in the church, but I'm still promoting the law of God. I'm still keeping all of those principles that we held dear. It's just a little bit different, that's all. 
We see a very similar situation in the book of Hebrews. That when you read the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is continually compelling the people to not go back to Judaism, because Judaism is inferior to Christianity. The priesthood of Aaron, the sacrifices of Moses and Aaron, they're inferior to the sacrifices of Christ. But that was the struggle in the book of Hebrews, that the individual, the Jews who had come to faith in Jesus, once they came to faith, they were thrilled to come to Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they suffered serious persecution at the hand of their countrymen. And so the question became, you know, do I want to put up with this or should I just go back to Judaism? I'll still be an undercover Christian. I'll still hold on to my Christianity, but I'll just go back to Judaism. What difference does it make? And the writer of Hebrews is stressing, here's the difference, all the difference in the world. Everything part of the Old Covenant was inferior. And that which was part of the Old Covenant is about to pass away. And ultimately in the destruction, when he was talking about it's about to pass away, ultimately is pointing to what was going to happen in 70 AD when the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed, when the sacrificial system was destroyed, when millions upon millions of Jews were slaughtered, and those who were not slaughtered escaped and ran and dispersed to try and get away from the persecution. He says it's about to pass away, and it ultimately did pass away in 70 AD, and the destruction of the temple and the destruction of the altar and the destruction of the Holy of Holies, all of that wiped away their sacrificial system and took away from them the part and parcel, the central focus of the Jewish Old Testament covenant. Old covenant, I should say. So the fallacy of law-keeping was that they themselves, who were pressing the Gentiles to be circumcised, they themselves didn't keep the law. They wanted others to think that they were converting the Gentiles back to Judaism. That way the persecution for them would stop. However, what they were imposing on others, they themselves were not doing. They were, by definition, hypocrites. It was not their conscience that was compelling them to comply or have the Gentiles comply with the rite of circumcision. But their vain and selfish desires, that's what was prompting them. So ask yourself the question, even as you're praying for your loved ones or your friends or uh, people near and dear to you, even ask yourself, why do you want them to be saved? Some women that are married to unsaved husbands, they've prayed for years for their husbands. Not because they're concerned for the glory of God. And not because they're concerned for the soul of their husbands. I'm sure they are. But oftentimes they pray because they believe their life would be much easier if their husband was saved. Because he's constantly browbeating them about their faith. He's constantly criticizing their faith. He's constantly belittling them. Constantly demanding that they not go to church here, not go to church there. Constantly embarrassing them with his vulgarity and the things that come out of his mouth. And, and their mentality is, if only my husband would be saved, it would be so much easier on me. And that's ultimately what was happening here. These Jews who were uh, compelling the Gentiles to be circumcised, it wasn't because they really believed this was best for the Gentiles or even for the glory of God. They believed it was best for them. It would help them if they had a whole passel full of Gentiles to point to, to say, see, all of them were circumcised because of me. I told them to do that. See how good I am? I'm still a Jew. I'm still working in the midst of the church. 
the Pharisees were guilty of the same sin. Jesus was against sin, obviously, but he was harder on the hypocrites than he was on the prostitutes and the murderers and the thieves. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 4 and 5a, this is what the scripture says. Jesus, speaking of the Pharisees, said, They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. And that's what was happening in Galatia, among these Jews there that were being influenced by the Judaizers. They boasted in their good works and their religious dedication, but not in Christ. And so the question we're asking here on Sunday evenings, this series, is why did Christ come to die? And this, uh, verses 14 and 15, this lays out then the reason why Christ came to die, that we could now boast in the cross. These Jews, these Judaizers, they were boasting in circumcision. They were boasting in their zeal for the law. But they were not boasting in Christ and they had no foundation. They had no foundation whatsoever. Paul stated in the first chapter that he feared that he had preached to them in vain. He, he feared that they had not really truly received the gospel. That they had not truly been born again. And there is some serious question about that. So now when we come to the third point here, the freedom of boasting in Christ, we look at verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. This is verse 14. Here Paul is contrasting himself with those hypocrites <coughs> excuse me, who denied the cross and purchased the applause of men by compelling the ignorant ones among the Gentile community, to be circumcised. And Paul says, but God forbid that I should boast in anything except the cross. These Jews were boasting in their abilities, boasting in their good works, boasting in their compelling of the Gentiles. They were boasting in everything about themselves, boasting in their own efforts. And that is what every pagan does. That's why Paul, uh, excuse me, Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, uh, let others... Uh, praise you and not yourselves. Don't walk around telling everyone how wonderful you are and all the wonderful things you have done. They boasted in their outward display of religion while despising, ultimately despising the cross. Because that was the decision at the Jerusalem Council. Circumcision is not the focus of uh, the New Covenant. It's Jesus Christ that is the focus of the New Covenant. In Romans chapter 4, Paul mentioned that Abraham, when he was circumcised, was circumcised based upon the faith that he had already demonstrated. That the circumcision was to point to the faith. Paul clarified that in Romans chapter 4. That was not the view of the Jews in the Old Testament. Their view was circumcision was keeping the law and it was doing what God wanted them to do and they could check off the box in heaven saying, I did what you told me to do. I joined the club. I was circumcised. I'm now in. I'm okay. But Paul reminded them that circumcision, in reality, was the mark that was placed upon Abraham because of his faith, not in anticipation of faith. And again, this is the difference between the Baptists and the Presbyterians. The Baptists will say, we are baptized based upon our profession of faith. The, the work of grace that God has done in my heart as the result of the grace that he performed on me 
and I believe the gospel, I then am baptized. The Presbyterians will baptize their babies in anticipation that they will one day make a profession of faith and embrace Christ. It's based upon a hope of that. So here, these Jews, they were boasting in their outward display of religion while at the same time despising the cross. And Paul said that his boasting was in the cross alone. For it was the cross alone that made him acceptable to the Father. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. We are accepted in the Beloved because of the work of Christ. However, there's something interesting here to note that there were other things that Paul boasted in. He says here that uh, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. But there were other things he boasted in, in the New Testament, which creates kind of a quandary for some. In Romans chapter 5 verse 2, he boasted in the access that he had to the glory of God. In Romans chapter 5 verse 3, he boasted in his tribulations. And it's the same word. I, the, the word that appears in uh, Galatians chapter 6 uh, verse 14, or, uh, this, this is a word uh, that is translated uh, elsewhere also glory, where they, they gloried in this or they boasted in this. But he said he boasted in his tribulations. In Romans 5.11, he boasted in his reconciliation to God and our reconciliation to God that we also should boast in that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, Paul says if we're going to boast in anything, boast in the Lord. And though boasting in the cross is attached to boasting in the Lord, he says here in Galatians 6.14, I will boast in nothing except the cross of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 9.2, he boasted of the generosity of the Corinthians. He boasted to the Macedonians, the church of Philippi. He boasted to them of the generosity of the Corinthians. How out of their poverty they gave, but he boasted in them. And then in 2 Thessalonians 1.4, he boasted of the faith and the patience of the Thessalonians. So there were a number of things that Paul boasted in. But we come here to Galatians 6. And he says that he boasted in nothing except the cross of Christ. This was in opposition to those who boasted in their own righteousness. He's again, we have to consider these things in the context in which they're written. So the context of chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, the context is, that these Judaizers were boasting in the fact that they had compelled the Gentiles to be circumcised. You know, I get a gold star because look what I did. And he could say that to the Jews. But Paul says that isn't what we should boast in. If we're going to boast in anything, we boast in the cross of Christ. That's what we're boasting in. That's where our hope lies. <clears throat> he makes reference to those individuals again in, in 2 Corinthians 5.12 where he said, We do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf. You can boast in us. We're not going to boast in ourselves. We're not going to boast of the things we did. If we're going to boast in anything, we're going to boast in the cross of Christ. If we're going to glory in anything, we're going to glory in the cross of Christ. We're not going to parade before you all of our accolades. He says, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For those who boast in anything other than the cross. That's what he's stressing here. Anyone who boasts in anything other than the cross, it's wood, hay, and stubble. 
those hypocrites, the hypocritical Jews, they were doing that very thing. They boasted in appearance and not in the heart. That's why they, he, he said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 12, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. They wanted to make a good showing. They wanted to make a good impression in the flesh. And so they boasted in appearance and not in heart. The cross of Christ has delivered us from boasting in appearance and not in heart. His death, the death of Christ, has changed my boastings from myself and my accomplishments with all my weaknesses to Christ with all of his strength. That's what the cross of Christ, that's what the death of Christ did. It changed my boastings. And it didn't change my boastings because, again, as I've said several times in the last few weeks, because I, it's not because I got up in the morning and decided from this time on I'm going to boast in Christ. He changed our desires. And our struggle in the Christian life is we want to boast in him all the time. But the remaining sin, it kind of pushes that boasting out of the way and wants to take center stage. Da, 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 da. Look at all the wonderful things I've done. And we have to continually, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says we have to beat down. I beat down my flesh daily. I put it back in its place because it wants to rear its ugly head and control me. The cross of Christ has delivered us from boasting. Those individuals who boast in themselves, they are weak and insecure. If you've ever known someone who boasts about all the things he does, he's always telling you all the things he does. That's a basic insecurity there, a weakness on his part. He's fearful that no one else will boast of him. And so he's continually boasting of himself. And he has to be propped up by his own accomplishments, which even if they do exist, have no saving efficacy. And after a period of time, they will soon be forgotten. But not the cross of Christ. It has stood the test of time. It has remained the central focus of the Christian life from 2,000 years ago. And even before that, as God was speaking of the, the sacrifice of Christ through the sacrificial uh, lamb and the oxen and the goat. But Christ's death allows me to boast in the one who is the same yesterday, today and forever. John Piper said in his book, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die, he said this, and I quote, When you put your trust in Christ, the powerful attraction to the world is, or the ever-powerful attraction to the world is broken. You are a corpse to the world, and the world is a corpse to you. A new you is alive, the you of faith in Christ. And that's what marks this faith is that it treasures Christ above everything in the world. It treasures Christ above everything in the world. Is that your life? That should be. That should be all of our lives, that we treasure Christ above everything in the world. And again, I think the struggle that we have is that is our desire. That is our goal, but we're constantly meeting with opposition that comes from the world, comes from the flesh, comes from the devil. It's constantly opposing us. I was um, talking with my daughter this afternoon uh, and uh, she had mentioned that uh, her husband Zach, I talked to Stephanie, and Zach had to uh, uh, read scripture this morning at church, their church down in Cranberry. And that when he, um, when he read, he made some mistakes. He, he wanted to give what the context was, what the passage was about, and he suddenly drew a blank. And I uh, couldn't think of what, he, what it was about. And so then just said, well, why don't we just read it? And so he read it. 
And he said to Stephanie afterwards, I don't know what happened to me. He said, I'm speaking in front of crowds all the time in my work. He, he goes to meetings and, and present, he does presentations. And he said, I speak publicly all the time and I don't have any trouble at all. But this morning I had all kinds of problems. And it's the reality of the world, the flesh, and the devil that fights against us in spiritual matters. We can go and we can talk about you know, the price of tuna at Giant Eagle without a problem. We can discuss that for hours. But as soon as we want to talk about Christ, all of a sudden... We fumble our words or the phone rings or dogs bark or things happen or the microphone cuts out or any number of things happen because there's real opposition. You're going to find that opposition. You're going to have that opposition. But don't ever let the opposition stop you from boasting in the cross of Christ. And so Paul says here, But God forbid, verse 14, that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. And then the last verse 15 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. That's what we need to keep in mind. That should spur us along. That this isn't me on steroids. This isn't me on caffeine. This isn't me all propped up. This is Christ. He's the one who has changed me. He's the one who has made me. He's the one who has equipped me. He's the one who's the star of the show. And if I have any power at all, if I have any persuasion at all, it should not be to persuade men to do what I want them to do, as the Jews did. It should be that I would persuade them to do what Christ wants them to do. Because if they do what he wants them to do, I won't be the winner. I won't be the one that will get the credit. God will be the winner, and so will the individual who surrenders himself to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will be the winner, and he will boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us to do that in all that we do. Let's pray. Our Father, we're mindful that every breath we draw is a gift from you. And we are just sinful enough that we will manipulate individuals to do what we want them to do. We'll attempt to twist their arms and convince them that what we are saying is better because it will profit us somehow. Whether it gives us a sense that we're powerful because we've persuaded other people to do what we want, we know that we are your ambassadors. We are your emissaries sent here to represent you. I pray that we would do that. Please forgive us for the times that we are manipulative like these Jews that we do things for our pleasure and for our prominence and our accolades. Please forgive us. May we live for you. May we serve you. May we share your message with others, praying that you will change the heart and you will bring them to yourself and you will be praised and glorified. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.